Welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. have a special treat. Uh, I've invited our dear friend, uh, Dr. Greg Gansel, to join us. If you don't know Greg, he's on our church council. He's also a professor at uh, Biola University, and we're just so blessed to have him here with us. So please join me in welcoming Greg. Go pray for you, brother. Awesome. Let's pray together. So Father, we thank you that your word is living and active, and we pray that through it, you would speak to us today. Lord, would you give us open hearts to receive open ears to hear. And we just pray your blessing upon Greg now and that you would speak through him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Good morning. Why won't I come? Jesus issued a startling invitation to come to him and learn from him. He promised rest for our souls. In light of this invitation, why do I walk through so many days weary and heavy laden. We've been in a series about Jesus as the source of life. We've looked at how Jesus being fully human and fully divine actually shows us what it means to be human, how to live a good human life. We looked at his dependence upon God through habitual, frequent prayer and his reliance on the Holy Spirit for the power to do the ministry that God had entrusted to him. This morning, we're going to look at his invitation to learn life from him. And we'll unpack the specific invitation, and I want to then offer some diagnostic observations about why we don't accept the startling invitation, or at least why I don't. So uh, next slide. The gospel passage, the invitation, come to me, all who are weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Next slide. I want to look at three things. I want to start with the promises in this passage and then the practices, and then the problem. This is like Sermon Preaching 101. Use the word P, the letter P for every word. Um, And after that, I'll offer uh, what I hope are some things that are going to help us transition from remaining within the problem to actually accepting the invitation. So we'll start with the promises. The next slide. Jesus promises to give us rest, to give us rest for our souls. He promises that we will exchange our weariness and heavy ladenness, if that's a word, I just made it up, for a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. Jesus offers you can trade in your weariness for lightness. You can find rest for your soul rather than frantic disillusionment. Now, the last couple of times I preached, and this has been a theme in the church, um, I emphasize that everyone is fighting a terrible battle to be human. I'm fighting this battle. I want a life that's sane, 
and whole and meaningful and has a livable rhythm. But I walk through life weary and heavy laden. Where does the weariness come from? Now, it's tempting to complain about the stressful days we inhabit. Actually, it's tempting to complain about anything, right? But, but we, we tend, at least I tend to identify, we live in incredibly stressful times. And we can talk about the challenges of living in Southern California. Now, to be sure, there are ways in which our times are stressful, and the place we inhabit produces stress. Besides that, classes start Tuesday, and I'm in my annual season of worry about, worrying about epic failure. Right? There are things that impinge on my serenity. That, um, but I, I, I tend to blame these things. I, and I've come to think that a lot of this can just be my excuses. I walk through the world weary and heavy laden, not because our times and places are especially difficult, Every day, every age, every place has had its own unique stresses and challenges. Every age is a dangerous age. My parents were children during the Depression, teenagers during World War II, young marrieds during the Cold War, and they raised five kids during the 60s. I'm not sure my life is more stressful than theirs. If I continue to think that I'm inhabiting an especially difficult time, I, I fear I'm losing perspective. And one of the reasons it's easy for me to fall into this temptation is that things that are close to me seem larger than things that are far away. So my times, my challenges seem larger, and then I think back in the past with a certain kind of nostalgia, especially the past that I didn't experience, like before I was born, think, oh, wouldn't it have been great to live in the 40s? And the answer is no, because we were at war. Right? And those were incredibly stressful times. The other thing is it, uh, it, it's hard to be human. I think this is the more general reason we walk with weariness and heavy ladenness. And different phases of our life have different challenges. When you, when you move into your 20s, you're, we're very optimistic because the future is ahead of us. But our life gets increasingly complicated. And I had a friend one time say, uh, he was actually teaching a time management seminar, and he says, why do I think my life is going to get easier when it's intrinsically more complicated the older I get? And, and that's just a reality of our lives. Aging, for those of us who are aging, some of us are, <laughs> adds to this. I remember I was in a coffee shop in New Haven, Connecticut, before we moved out here, and I was ordering coffee, and this young barista, she must have been 20, she just makes this comment, she said, oh, I must have slept wrong, my neck is so sore. And I said, someday you'll feel like that every day. <laughs> Trying to be encouraging. I hope I left her a tip. <laughs> One of the great delusions of my life is that I will get ahead and I will master the complexities of my life. I'll get on top of it and then I will find rest for my soul. Amen. Right? And I'm 62 and I haven't yet gotten ahead of my life. I walk through life weary and heavy laden. Jesus promises something different. 
He does not promise a release from my responsibilities, but he promises rest in the midst of complications. Rest for my soul in the midst of a terrible battle for my soul. A yoke that is easy, even though the terrain around us is difficult. A burden that is light, not heavy. Now notice that his promise still contains a yoke and a burden, but that these will be light. The promise is actually for the life I want. This is what Jesus holds out for us, a life that is sane and healthy and whole. So the practices that come with the promises, next slide, this wonderful invitation requires a response on our part. And it's very simple. Jesus says three things. Come to me, take my yoke, and learn from me. Now, I really don't think Jesus meant to separate these out as if they were three steps in a three-step plan. These are all aspects of one another. He's, he's filling out what it means really to come to him. We come to him, we take his yoke, and we learn from him. He invites us to walk through life with him. First, come to him. Jesus is the source of life. This has been our theme in this series. It's, it's Christianity 101, but we always have to be reminded. We have to come to him as the source of life. Secondly, take my yoke. This is expanding on what it means to come to him. Now, do you remember what a yoke is? Next slide. This is a yoke. Okay, next slide. So when a farmer had a set of oxen to pull a plow or a wagon, he would yoke the oxen. He would take the two oxen and put the yoke over their shoulders and attach the wagon or the plow and they would be able to move in unison and pull the plow. Now, often, a younger ox would be trained by yoking that ox to an older ox, to one that had already been broken and trained and and knew how to keep a straight line. And the younger ox, whose whose disposition is to wander and to go his own way, is, is bound to the older ox and learns from the older ox how to bear the yoke, how to pull the wagon. Jesus invites us to take his yoke upon us. We are to be yoked with him. He is the older one. He is the one who is the model of what it means to be a human being in a complicated, broken world. And we are yoked with him, and we walk through this world with him as he sometimes breaks our rebelliousness and guides us into living out the life that he wants to live. He wants us to live. He wants to live through us. So we we are bound together. We long for a life that is human, and Jesus invites us to be bound with him, to journey through life with him into this very human life life. And we find from Jesus that the human life is not just natural, but it's supernatural. The normal human life in God's plan is that we would walk through life like Jesus, seeing the work of God around us. 
So that's the second of the practice. And then the third is to learn from him. We learn from Jesus by being bound to him, by, being, um, by walking with him through life. I love this linking of the learning with the yoke because it reminds me that although Jesus taught what we could call book knowledge, and I'm a big fan of book knowledge being a philosopher, um, he is emphasizing here this is learning how to walk through life. He taught a tremendous amount of life knowledge, how to be human, how to love our enemies, how to pray for those who persecute us. So we learn from him. It's not just theoretical. It comes from being yoked with him. We learn to be human as we bind ourselves to him. We come, we take his yoke, we learn to walk. And these three aspects of the invitation overlap with one another. It's, it's basically one response to him, a submission. So what's the problem? Next slide. The problem is, I don't come. I won't. I won't take his yoke. I won't learn from him. So two weeks ago, Michael mentioned the Hail Mary in football, which is a great illustration about even in football, when things get really desperate, people think about praying, right? <laughs> and, uh, there's a, but there's another move in football that's more relevant here, and it's the stiff arm, right? <laughs> so you got the running back or, or the receiver has the ball, and someone's trying to tackle that person, and uh, the running back stiff arms, the defender, or at least attempts to do so, trying to keep the defender at a safe distance. Well, that's what I do to people. That's what I do to Jesus. I stiff arm him. I want to keep Jesus at a safe distance. Now, why do I do this? Next slide. This is the Genesis passage. There, there are some things that happened as soon as human beings fell into sin that mark patterns in my resistance to God and my resistance to other people. So we see, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Then he goes on and says, well, he says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. There are two fundamental patterns here that Adam exemplifies. In fact, he invented them. This was the first time they were used in the history of humanity. And we've all shared. When Adam fell into sin, he hid himself from God when God called out to him. Now, once he was questioned, then he blamed. He hid and he blamed. He blamed Eve, indirectly blaming God himself because it was the woman God had given him that had done this terrible thing. You should have given me someone else, maybe. He didn't deserve Eve either. So uh, J. Grant Howard, in his 1979 book, The Trauma of Transparency, labels these tactics, it's on the next slide, hiding and hurling. We hide from one another or we hurl at one another. And this is how we stiff arm. This is how we keep people at a safe distance. We hide to protect ourselves from being seen, from being known. At least I do this. 
and we hurl to cast blame on those around us. Now, that's the general diagnosis. For me, the personal diagnosis is I'm much more of a hider than a hurler, right? It dawned on me one day, this is adventures in self-awareness, right? <laughs> it dawned on me one day when I was, before I met Jeannie, when I was single, boy, I'm not a very transparent person. And I thought this was like revelation, so I talked to, to some of the people on my staff team, and I said, you know, I'm learning I'm not a very transparent person. And they said, well, we could have told you that. <laughs> I go home and tell my mom, you know, I'm learning I'm not very transparent. She's like, I could have told you that. I'm like, D-. well, it, it, it's like, no, I, I have safe walls around me because there's something I feel like I have to protect. I don't know why. I have a hard time not holding Jesus at arm's length not giving him the stiff arm. Why will I not come and bind my life to his and walk along with him? I seek safety and protection, but protection from what? A stiff arm is good for those who are trying to tackle you, but what about those who are trying to love you? The proper posture is embrace, not open arms, not stiff arms. Why do I stiff-arm Jesus? I, I actually don't know the answer to that question entirely. One of my theories is this. In Romans chapter 12, Paul is encouraging the believers not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and, but he goes on to say, then you will prove or demonstrate what the will of God is, that it is good acceptable, and perfect. And part of his point is that as we are transformed, our very lives in our experience demonstrate and prove that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect to us and for us. Now, I realize everybody has a gap theory. Gap stands for good, acceptable, and perfect. Everyone has a theory about what is it that's good and acceptable and perfect to me and for me. And I think one of the reasons I can be resistant to Jesus is I have a different set of things on my list for what's good, acceptable, and perfect than him. I don't like yokes at all, right? I don't want burdens even if they are easy. I want a burden-free life. I want to be able to do what I want. I want to be able to be whom I want. I want to be able to kind of coast. To be honest, I kind of want to be on vacation all the time, right? No responsibilities. I just want to sit, read a book, get another cup of coffee, and then think, what should I do next? Maybe I'll read, get another cup of coffee, Go for a walk, not a very long walk, short walk, right? And stop in at a coffee shop and get another cup of coffee. It's like, I, I, I have this picture of what life is that makes it good, acceptable, and perfect. And um, I'm, I'm often unreflective about this, but I, I, I feel like I have to protect that picture and stiff-arm Jesus. But what I more deeply want is rest for my soul, And so I wind up resisting the very path to get what I want. 
I push God off because I have my own idea of what my life is. I need reorienting in my soul. So I can actually taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that phrase from the psalm. That in my experience, I see that he brings what is good, acceptable, and perfect to me. So how do I stop pushing him off? How do I open my arms and allow him to penetrate the deeper part of my life? Next slide. Something that's helped me is the discipline of thanksgiving. I first discovered this by accident when, um, when we lived in Syracuse, New York, and I was in grad school. We lived a mile from campus, and I'd walk to school every day. And I, I, I don't know how the thought occurred to me that giving thanks is not a feeling. It's something you do. And I thought, that means I can do this. I can give thanks regardless of how I feel. So I began to practice this. I would walk to school, and I would start thanking God for anything that came to mind. Now, in Syracuse, New York, for 10 months of the year, it's like, thank you, God, there's only three feet of snow on the ground (laughs) and not six feet of snow, right? Um, And thank you that I don't have to drive in this snow. I can walk to school, right? I mean, I'm talking trivial things. But as I began to thank God for trivial things, my thoughts quickly moved to the things I'm deeply grateful about. I go from, thank you, God, that I hardly ever have to wear a tie, to thank you that you've given me this family. Thank you that you've called me into the mission of the gospel. Thank you that you've allowed me to do graduate school. Now, some of you, that might not be on your list, but for us nerds... It's like, I know so many smart people who would love to do it and didn't have the opportunity. Thank you for the work you're doing in my life. Thank you that you really did transfer me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your own dear son. And then continue to thank God for these things. And, and what happens with this discipline, at least the way I'm, I'm the, there's lots of ways to have disciplines of thanksgiving. The, the exercise is is I start with things that are trivial, but I choose to have a posture of thanksgiving. And as I consciously thank God for trivial things, it, it's, like, it's like opening my arms a little bit. Let's say, wow, good things. So going from here to here. And then I, I experience the reminder of the depths of the mercies of God in my life, practically, tangibly, the things that I'm grateful for right here, right now, in this place. Now, to be honest, I find it hard to practice this. I have to, it, I have to force myself and then force myself again. But as I do, it's very quickly I begin to, see my mind and my heart catching up and focusing on the goodness of God and giving me these wonderful good things. The discipline of thanksgiving. So I'm going to try an experiment. So I love Darren and the band to come back up. I'm going to do something a little different. We're going to take about five minutes silently, and we're going to practice this discipline.
Think of this as training wheels for your soul, right? It's going to be just like riding a bike with training wheels. It's really awkward the first time you get on it. It's okay if it's awkward. We're just going to try to, to take the first steps in moving from thanking God for trivial things to reflecting on the tangible goodness of God in our lives. And I will, lead, I will kind of lead us through this. I'll start with a prayer. We'll get some instrumental music, and then I'll close uh, in a couple of minutes. So let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for your wonderful invitation to come to you, to take your yoke, to learn from you. We don't want to stiff arm you. We want to open our arms and embrace. So we begin by thanking you for the things that we can see immediately before us, things that might even be trivial. So in the next minute and a half, think of those things and don't just reflect on them, but verbalize to God gratitude and thanksgiving. Now begin to allow your thoughts to focus on, on the deeper things that, that are most valuable and how these two are gifts from God and thank him for these things, for what God has given you through Christ and where he's placed you in the world.
very hard to hold Jesus at bay when we see all the good gifts that he brings to us. We move from holding out our arms in defense to holding them out for embrace. Last slide. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen.